Hello and welcome to The Connected Generation. My name is Nike Anani and I am your host. Here on The Connected Generation, we explore all things legacy wealth and legacy businesses, how to build businesses and wealth that would outlive the founders and have sustained impact over time and over space. And we invite guests from all over the world to come on and share. And this is a place of safety, um, exploring themes with genuine curiosity, authenticity and vulnerability. This week, I had Dr. Gori Seth, who is a returning guest on the podcast. She was on a couple of months ago on episode 117, and she spoke about how to parent in turbulent times. I tell you what, that was so helpful for me. And um, that episode got really good feedback. So I'd recommend you listening to that if you haven't listened to that. To that. But for those that don't know, Gori is a mother of three. She's an executive parent, and she's an emotional intelligence coach. She's had extensive clinical background in medicine, psychiatry, and psychotherapy. And this week, we explore how to parent effectively in a multi-generational household. Really a follow-on conversation from our last one. And so I'd encourage you to tune in listen in and enjoy. And as you're enjoying, share this episode with a friend or three. Um, Just click on share so we can spread the love and continue to spread the goodness to other people. Thank you so much and enjoy. Hi, Gori. Welcome back to The Connected Generation. It's awesome to have you. Thank you. Good to see you, Nikkei. Good to see you too. On the last conversation, we had a really meaty conversation on parenting in turbulent times and learned so much from you on how to foster um, connected dynamics and how it's easier on the parents and easier on the kids. And we were kind of cut short and I really wanted us to dive deeper into um, some dynamics on generational perspectives on parenting and also cultural differences on parenting. But before we jump into that there may be some listeners that haven't heard the first episode so would you like to just briefly share how to becoming uh you're a coach you help families and developing emotional connection um you had a background in psychiatry how did you now get to being a coach today Mm, sure so yes exactly so i studied medicine i trained as a psychiatry doctor um, and i was very fortunate to have experience working in a range of different psychotherapy modalities um, including family therapy schema therapy cbt and psychodynamic psychotherapy and essentially that kind of perspective of different psychotherapy modalities was very powerful because um, they they each approach similar things from slightly different perspectives. Um, but what struck me was just how important, you know, early relational experiences are for children as they grow and how they can be very powerful for future um, kind of concepts of their sense of self, their self-esteem, mm-hmm. Um, and their relationship with others, their ability to relate with others. So I sort of stepped into coaching thinking that actually what I'd like to do is bring some of those nuggets that science 
um, to, to more parents and in a more preventive way. So rather than it necessarily being that there is a clinical problem, I believe some of these scientific nuggets can benefit people well before that, um, you know, mm. empowering people with that knowledge. And I feel that knowledge is power. It's, you know, science is so powerful. Um, and I'm really keen to sort of help bring some of those nuggets to more people basically and, and I'm doing that through the sort of coaching coaching medium I suppose. Incredible fantastic work so let's dive straight into it um, and let's talk a bit on what you've observed in terms of parenting from firstly generational perspectives what distinctions do you tend to see? Mm. So what I'll say I think is as I said just shortly before, that I think parenting, it's very sort of uh, individual, it's very culturally informed. And by culturally, I could even mean, you know, families within the same culture will have their own culture. So let's say, you know, families from exactly the same ethnic culture may have their own sort of priorities, values, systems. Um, And then within the same culture, you have different generations who then think in different ways. So what I mm. suppose I've observed is that, um, you know, hopefully the the main, you know, the universals that bring us all together, regardless of generation, regardless of family or culture, you know, there are, I believe, certain universals that we can all sort of relate to. And when it comes to parenting, that might include, you know, wanting the very best for our young. You know, that Mm. instinct to protect our young, to nurture them, to support them through their journey. Um, Now, I believe that different people might have a different perspective on what is best for them. And I think with generations, that might be where there might be room for discussion or people may disagree. But I think at the bottom and very deep underneath, there will probably be a common vision or a common goal, which is, you know, Mm. we want the very best. We love our child or our grandchild um, and we want the very best for them. So I think Mm. it's about communication Um, and trying to understand what those perspectives are in a respectful, curious, compassionate way, um, Mm. where if there is a bit of a disagreement, we try to understand why, because Mm. what can easily happen is it could end up becoming a source of, you know, arguments or, um, you know, a minor conflict in a family unit. Um, And I, I believe that there are ways to sort of to navigate those um particularly mm-hmm. important are boundaries so clear communication boundaries um and recognizing that actually we do have we're on the same team yes we might be from different generations yes we might have slightly different priorities from our perspectives but we're on the same team so let's try and sort of mm-hmm. figure it out mm-hmm. Mm, perfect um can you share a bit more on the slightly different priorities or slightly different perspectives that you may have seen in your work between the Mm. different generations yes so for example a classic one I see is you know so so I'm a mum of three I think you're a mum right definitely how I do Mm -hmm. yeah so you know we are Mm. of two so we're working women working mums um, and sometimes the generation above may not have had to juggle in the same way. There is a lot mm-hmm. of work, obviously, but in terms of what work requires of a mum, sometimes I see that the mum will have a strict routine, for example, um, mm-hmm. of things kind of flowing the way 
that it works for the for the family goals to continue and I think that Mm -hmm. can sometimes be not quite perceived from the generation above as some you know they may not quite understand the importance of those what might seem very strict routines um that Mm. can be a source where the perspective isn't quite aligned um because of the difference in experiences basically um so that's Mm. one example I can think of Mm, that's a fantastic example and in that instance, like when you you have, I don't know whether you quote two generations in the room and they're trying to reconcile and find a middle ground that works for both of them. What, 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 if there's someone listening to this and is that very working mom that has a militant routine, um, you're speaking to her right now. Um, <laughs> and, um, perhaps there's an extended family member that is a bit more, you know, laissez-faire about it because they, like you said, haven't had to navigate this duality and juggling. What tips would you give to a working mom to kind of communicate in a way, um, that would lead to, um, like you said, the shared vision, that the shared outcome to protect and to nurture the child? Yeah, I love that question. So for me, I think the first step is always for, for let's say we're talking from the working mum's perspective, the first step is to zoom in and to understand from, you know, let's pretend it's me and I'm that working mum and I'm getting a bit, you know, frustrated what I would say is right what's going on for me in this in this disagreement am I feeling that my view isn't being respected I'm the mum you know am I feeling annoyed about that am I feeling um am I judging the other person Mm. so the first step which is really about empowerment is to understand what's going on for me do I feel that my voice isn't being heard? Because I think one thing I've understood about multi-generational households is that autonomy is really, really important for it to work. Mm -hmm. People Mm -hmm. need to feel that they have a say, that they're being respected. Now, if the working mum doesn't feel that her say is being respected, that can be very triggering. It can kind of feel disempowering um, for Mm -hmm. a topic so important to her because she's juggling you know she wants the best for her child she's also got to provide for her for the family so um the first step would be what's it triggering for me you know for that mum and then Mm. I would always suggest zooming out and looking at the perspective of the other person and really in a non-judgmental compassionate curious lens try and understand what their narrative is Because Mm -hmm. when we're triggered, we could easily get offended and not actually understand that there might well be a good meaning behind their perspective. It might be that in their way, they believe a very rigid routine in some way isn't optimum for the child and they love that child. And of course, they're Mm -hmm. going to talk about it and of course, they're going to express that. But if we can kind of, as I said, zoom out and look at the other perspective from a compassionate non-judgmental lens we may find something out that we didn't realize or we may think Mm. look okay fine let's agree to disagree I get it you also love your grandchild and um, you know you have every right to think what you think but actually it doesn't resonate with the way I can do things Um, Mm -hmm. And I think communication of those perspectives is really, really key. And one technique I sometimes use is I say, look, 
swap perspectives and pretend you're having that argument from the other perspective. So working mum, pretend you're the, the, the you know, the, the parent, mm. grandparent. Grandparent, pretend you're the working mum and argue it from the other perspective. Um, mm. Challenge yourselves to, to think about those perspectives because I, I do honestly believe that, you know, we as humans can end up um, swirling around in disagreements when mm. and get triggered and then distort things and blow things up a bit. But actually, the chances are everyone's on the same team. We all love the same people. So let's try and be almost mechanical about it and understand where are we disagreeing. And, mm. and I think a philosophy of mutual respect is really key, kind of mm. sort of saying, look, I respect your perspective. Thank you for showing concern for my routine. <laughs> um, I appreciate that at the same time blah 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 this is why it needs to be the way it is you know mm -hmm. so more respectful because then people can kind of bring their walls down I think when it becomes difficult is when people put walls up mm -hmm. in order to say look I'm right you're wrong but actually mm -hmm. I think a philosophy of both and not either or so rather yeah. than yeah yeah <laughs> so you know rather than it's either this way or or your way or my way can we have a both and philosophy which is you know mm. I'd like to take some of the positives of your perspective if I can at mm. the same time this is my this is how I want things to be not easy but I, I think and if if there is anyone struggling with that then I would say have a low threshold for getting some support with it you know there yeah. are family therapists there are coaches there are mediators and things don't have to get really really thorny before one can benefit from somebody mm -hmm. else coming in and supporting that process what I do see is sometimes when things are you know when there's so much uh, disagreement and discord and disconnect and there's been a lot of pain and suffering emotional and actually with a with that support or professional perspective that could have been avoided so but I think unfortunately you know not everyone knows about the support available or not everybody feels that they want to access it but one of the messages I have is I really want us to have a much lower threshold for sort of looking for support because there is so much out there mm. There really is. These are like phenomenal tips. I love the point on swapping perspectives and the kind of role playing and challenging, um, you know, yourself to think about the other person's point of view um, and the philosophy of both and not just not either or. Um, I'm just curious and like, you know, as we were talking and the whole concept of multi-generational households typically is usually has... Um, um, is usually concentrated within certain ethnic groups, right? It's not usually mm -hmm. a Western um, thing that you see and just wanted to really understand a little bit more about what you're seeing in terms of multi-generational households, the dynamics in terms of, sorry, not the dynamics, but um, the patterns and then speak a bit more on cultural kind mm -hmm. of, you're just what you've observed on cultural perspectives and lenses when it comes to parenting. Mm, sure. Um, so what I'll say is, yes, I agree that there are certain cultures which really endorse the multi-generational option. Um, and certainly in Western cultures, there's been more of that nuclear family independence type of thing. But I do believe that that is slightly actually mod being modified and there are more multi-generational households happening for kind of economic and financial decisions, mm. um, which mm. is 
which I think is really interesting. Um, and what I'll say is that um, essentially there are a lot of advantages. I mean, I've just done a little bit of a research this, this, this morning that mm. there are kind of research studies which indicate that there are quite a lot of benefits to children when they grow up in multi-generational households. Mm. Um, and, the, and, and the reason for that is linked to emotional development, um, that when children are sort of their brain is developing and as they're learning key emotional skills and social skills, mm. um, the more kind of connected, attuned caregivers in the mix, the better. So if you've got a grandma and you've got a mum, that's great because there's more people, there's more kind of attunement. Um, and the way the brain develops, you know, in terms of, I mean, we're realizing how important emotional literacy is for emotional well-being. So the ability mm. to label emotions, the ability to recognize different emotions. So for example, if you're angry, if you're anxious, if you're jealous, if you're sad, these are all different negative emotions. And being able mm. to label them and distinguish between them is really powerful. Now, if you have a few connected caregivers who are able to sort of support you with understanding that, that's amazing. Mm. Um, so what I'm seeing is that it can be a really wonderful um, setup. Certainly, um, when children, when babies are kind of very small, there's a process called mirroring, which is a psychological term for when a parent or an adult, sorry, essentially mirrors the expression of a baby um, mm. and then provides validation through that process. And what I've just recently read is that if that there is a study which suggests that multi-generational households, there is an improvement in sort of cognitive skills um, and emotional skills because um, you've got more than just one person giving that sort of validation and that validation is really powerful for that for the sense of self the mm -hmm. emerging sense of self of a baby and a child um, and the, that the sense of self is something so powerful and that's going to inform self-esteem the way they view the world the way they see themselves so um, I think there are so many advantages and certainly with mm. grandparents um, they can there's so much that they can offer obviously they mm. love the grandchild um, they have time potentially um, they there's a lot of kind of, and in terms of loneliness and giving older generations a purpose, there are huge benefits of that model. Um, but I think when it works well is when there's good communication, respectful boundaries and autonomy. So, you know, each party feeling they have a, a say, that, that there is a sense of um, decision-making, um, so yeah, those are the sort of things that I'm seeing. And in terms of cultures, um, yeah, I think parenting is extremely culturally informed, isn't it? And how we parent is informed by probably subconsciously how we were parented. Um, mm -hmm. So I think what I what I think is it's that conscious, connected parenting piece is about bringing a bit of uh, mindful awareness of how we want to be as a parent and having an intentional idea that actually we don't have to repeat things that are, you know, that we don't want to repeat. Um, mm. We have an intentional decision that these are the things I liked about my parent when I was young. 
these are the things that I'd like to do a bit differently. Um, and let's have that choice. Um, if one is not conscious of that process, then it's very easy to repeat, um, you know, for that transgenerational repeat to happen. For sure. For sure. I find myself in situations where like, I literally say verbatim what my mom used to say to me when I was a kid to the boys. And I'm just like, who is here? Like, <laughs> who's speaking now? I, did I just say that? Or um, is like, um, am I a, a double or something? So for sure, parenting, we have to be very conscious of, you know, what elements do we want to to keep? as parents that was passed down to us and what elements we want to really change and parenting by design, not just by default. Right. Mm. Um, this has been super helpful. So in essence, what I'm hearing is it's really about in both instances, whether it's multi-generational households or um, whether it's, um, you know, cultural perspectives lenses that are passed on from generation to generation it just really requires good communication good boundaries and um really respecting each party's autonomy right yeah absolutely if possible um and if it's tricky get support and also one one other thing to add there is that i think as i said at the beginning that science if, if the understanding of some of the science can be very connecting because at the end of the day whatever culture we're from whatever generation we're from we're humans we have the same structures in the brain which are important when it comes to emotional experiences so mm. if there is a disagreement between say generations then I would want to say right let's think about this from the perspective of of some of the science that we know uh, which obviously isn't 100% but it but it can be helpful it can take the heat off the perspectives a bit and say look we're coming at this now from another perspective um the mm. perspective of what we understand about the brain um can we try and apply that to this dilemma mm. something just popped in my mind um parenting in blended families or parenting with separated mm. parents what, what are you seeing and mm. what are your thoughts I know like we're literally about to run out of time so you can keep it as brief as you, you'd like yeah I'm seeing such a variety of scenarios and basically I think it's so contingent um, on the circumstances and there's no sort of I don't have a blanket opinion I think the key mm -hmm. is that provided children know that they're loved no matter what for who they are, that they know mm. that any sort of change in family structure, as long as they don't attribute that to themselves, sometimes children can blame themselves. That's quite a common mm. sort of, unfortunately, that sometimes can happen. I think as long as the parents um, are providing that sort of connected time with each child um, which is very attuned and there's good communication and children know that they're loved for who they are no matter what I personally think that that that's the key whether there's a blended family or not um, if you see what I mean mm -hmm, mm -hmm. incredible well thank you again Gori this has been like phenomenal again like I feel like we need another conversation but no <laughs> it's fine <laughs> If anyone would like to learn more about you and your work, how best can they reach you? Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Nikkei. So uh, I have a website, brainbasedconnection.co.uk. Um, so probably that's the best way. Awesome.
Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I loved that conversation. And why I loved it was that Gori was so practical with her tips. I love the point on it's really important to be open towards different perspectives and in a situation where there may be conflict, trying to swap your perspective, role-playing and acting as the other person. And it reminds me of one of my favourite podcasts, which is um, by Jay Shetty. And there was a particular episode that Will Smith was on probably about a year ago now. And he was talking about how when he's acting, he has to suspend all his judgment and really take away all emotions of how he sees a potential role that he has to play and really take on this new persona and absorb that on. And I feel like what Gori was talking about is quite similar, is being able to suspend self and being able to put self in the position of the other person and understand how they may be seeing things so that we can come at conversations with a mind of exploring an outcome together rather than preaching about the um, what is deemed as the only outcome right I loved what she said about the importance of autonomy in a multi-generational household because you've got more actors and players within a household navigating different dynamics and how can, you know, if you're on, um, regardless of whatever um, role or position you occupy in the family, how can you ensure that you treasure and you safeguard the autonomy of the next person without impinging upon their, you know, their realms or spheres of influence? How can you ensure that they feel like they have autonomy and power over their decisions, right? Um, I think it's something to think about. And then I think just lastly is just when we were recording the episode, I was just thinking all this highlights to me is the importance of empathy and that um, we all have our different perspectives because of our genders, ages, generations, life experiences. But I think we all, most people, I mean, 98% of people are trying to do the best with what they have and what they know. And if we can come at situations within our families with that um, that kind of disposition from the heart, it really does make for collaborating, communicating so much easier and better, such that we can have more harmonious families in the end. So... Yeah, I really enjoyed that episode and it's one that I know I'll be listening to over and over and over again to really soak in all the practical tips and all the goodness that Gauri shared. So as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Take good care and God bless you.